This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Let's stand, everybody, and let's pray. Father, this evening, we want to thank you. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll rise up big within me, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. I declare that I am a servant, ready to be used by the Master tonight. And I thank you, Father, fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise in the hearts of your people. And we at Christian Family Church, Father, we are not only hearers of the Word, but we doers of the Word, and therefore we have good success in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And you may be seated. I was flying from London to Johannesburg one year, and I decided I was going to sit down and watch a movie. So I got my coffee and settled in, and I decided to watch the movie Secretariat. How many of you have watched the movie Secretariat? Can I see your hands wave at me? It was such an inspiring uh, film that I decided that I was definitely going to preach its message. So tonight I'm going to share some incredible points that I learned in that message. It's a message of having courage, of taking a leap of faith with determination. It's about having perseverance and staying the course and jumping the hurdles in life and, of course, overcoming enormous obstacles along the way. But for those of you who have not seen the film, let me give you a little bit of background. It's all about an ordinary housewife, um, a lady by the name of Penny Chenery, and she agreed to take her father's uh, stables because her father was ailing. He was getting sick and getting old, and he said he wanted his daughter to take over the stables, and so she said she would. They were based in Virginia. Despite her horse racing knowledge, or lack of it, should I say, and against all odds, Penny decided that she would take on this business even though it was a male-dominated business and with the help of a veteran trainer, she was going to navigate herself to success. And in fact, she was going to ultimately foster the first triple crown winner in 25 years. Now, for those of you who are not horsey people like me, and you say, Pastor Bev, I don't know what a triple crown is. Well, it's a pinnacle of horse racing achievements. It's when a horse can win three major horse races uh, back to back to back, then they win a triple crown. It requires winning of the three biggest uh, stakes, races in the world, and they've got to be back to back to back, and all within a five-week stretch, starting on Saturday, the first uh, Saturday of May. Now, the races in running order are the Kentucky Derby. How many of you heard about the Kentucky Derby, right? They wear the big hats. All the women wear big hats and dress up. And then after the Kentucky Derby, there's another race, which is just two weeks later called the Preakness States. And then three weeks after that, there's another prestigious race called the Belmont Stakes. Now, each of these races is a prestigious event in and of itself, but when a horse wins all of them, then it becomes legendary. It's such a great triumph. 
Now, each of these races is such an incredible uh, race that only 13 horses have ever won the Triple Crown. And in 1973, Secretariat was one of them. Now, Secretariat actually has been the fastest horse since then, and not, no other horse has broken his record since 1973. But the story begins in the book of Job. I'm going to read the verses to you. Job chapter 39, verse 20 says, Do you make him leap like locusts? His majestic snorting is frightening. He pours in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet the battle. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed, and he does not turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the flashing spear and javelin. He races over the ground with a roar and fury, and he does not stand still when he hears Hears the sound of the trumpet. For as often as a trumpet sounds, he says, Aha! And he senses a battle from afar and the thunder of captains and the war cry. So I did a little bit of digging into these verses. And I looked at the Barnes Albert commentary and the Gill exposition of the entire Bible. So let's break it down verse by verse. And I love what it says in verse 21. He says, he pours in the valley, rejoices in his strength. So this horse knows what he's made of. He knows what's inside of him. He rejoices at his strength. Verse 22 says, he laughs at fear and is not dismayed. In other words, that which is meant to intimidate him does not, he is unafraid. Then it says there that he does not turn back from the sword. Verse 23 says, the quiver rattles against him and the flashing spear and javelin. The quiver is the arrows, what arrows are kept in. And that it implies that when the enemy shoots the arrows at the horse, he is unafraid. Isn't that incredible? What does the Bible say in Ephesians 6, verse 16? He says, the Bible says, hold up the shield of faith and stop the fiery arrows of the evil one. Yeah, the horse, when the arrows come whizzing past him, he is unafraid. In fact, in Psalm 91, verse 5, it says, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day. They should not intimidate us. The arrows that fly towards us from the enemy should not intimidate us. We should be unafraid, just like the horse. The flashing spear and shield demonstrate that the horse is not frightened when he sees a spear flung at his direction, glory to God. In fact, when I did a bit of a study, do you know the Persians, when they trained their horses for war, they got their horses used, used to the noise of the clashing of the, the shields and the spears so that when they went into battle, they would be unafraid and they would be able to block out the noise of the battle and stay focused. Stay focused in battle. He races over the ground with a roar and fury. He does not stand still, listen to this, when he hears the sound of the trumpet. And this is, refers to the fact that the horses refuse to stand still when they hear the sound of the trumpet because they know that's the sound of battle. And you know what? I'm ready for battle. Let's go. He wants to go to battle. 
And verse 25 says, as often as a trumpet sounds, as often as a trumpet sounds, the horse says, aha, I'm ready for battle. He senses a battle from afar and he hears the thunder of the captains and the war cry. So when the horses hear the sound of the battle, it's as though he hears the sound of battle and he's calling. He wants to go and he wants to advance. He doesn't want to retreat. He doesn't want to go back. He's not afraid of the battle, but he said, I'm ready. I know my strength and I'm going to go forward in battle and afraid. Glory to God. Can you imagine that this beast is ready for battle? He's not moved by the enemy. He's ready to advance and not retreat. He's energized and ready for battle. Well, how much more should we not be afraid of the enemy no matter what we face in life? Because the greater one dwells within us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Glory to God. God has already made us victorious. He has given us a shield of faith to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Hallelujah. So gosh, family, if the horse is not moved by what he sees, should we who have the command of the army of hosts living inside of us be moved? We should not be moved by what we see. We should not be moved by what we hear. But we should only be moved by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Here we see the supremacy of a horse, of what God has made him. He's a mighty, majestic creature, the horse. How could we describe the horse? Would powerful and courageous be good names? I would say so. He is that and so much more. The Bible tells us that he laughs at fear. He's afraid of nothing. He's not fearful at all. Glory to God. The Bible tells us that we do not have a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. We've got to get that in our heart and in our spirit. Child of God, we do not have a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Listen carefully to what God says about the Proverbs 31 woman. She is clothed with strength and honor. And look here, she laughs without fear of the future. She laughs without fear of the future. And my precious family, once we know who we have inside of us, we know our rights, we know our authority in Christ Jesus, then we can laugh at the future without fear because we know the greater one is inside us and he has given us his authority to use that name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance. Say perseverance. The race that's marked out for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are created to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if you do a little bit of digging in the Greek, the Greek words for workmanship sometimes mean that the work 
is prepared ahead in advance for us. And it carries the, the, the theme that God's sovereign purpose and plans, He has already planned for our lives. If we look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get it. They do not they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that's going to last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating in the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Jeremiah 1.4 says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. We know the scripture, but family, let's get it into our heart that before that we were even formed, God knew us. And he said, I've set you apart before you were even born. And I, he said to Jeremiah, but appointed you as a prophet. So our, life in, our, so our life, our race has been set before us and God has determined our race and God has determined the work that we should do ahead of time. So what could hinder us in our race, in running our race? Well, let's see uh, what Jeremiah said in verse 6. One, Jeremiah 1, 6 says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you and I will rescue you. Say, God will rescue me out of every circumstance in Jesus' name. Can you imagine you've got the rescuer inside of you? Glory to God, because he is the Lord. And so the Lord says to Jeremiah, don't be afraid of people. In other words, don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of people's opinions. Don't be scared of men and what they're going to say about you. The Lord says that He is with you. He has determined the race that you should run. He is on your side. He wants you to win. He's going to rescue you from every challenge you're going to face in the name of Jesus. I believe that God has destined you to do great things in the future in Jesus' name. He's created you with a plan and a purpose in the name of Jesus. I believe God is going to open doors for you that no man can shut in the name of Jesus. I believe that God has got opportunities for you. He wants to give you. I believe He's got assignments that He wants to entrust to your life in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And God wants you to advance. He wants you to grow spiritually. He wants you to advance the kingdom in the name of Jesus. I'm sure that you all realize at this point that life is full of hurdles, right? And Satan comes against us. And we have trials and we have sorrows. But Christ in us, we can overcome each and every one of them. And you know, family, that people who are called to greatness go through great challenges. John 16, 33 says, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. 
Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But he says, take heart, because I have overcome the world. Oh, family, we have got to get it inside of us that the peace of God should lead us and guide us. The peace of God should keep us when we're going through the storms of life, when we're going through our trials and our challenges. It's the peace of God that's inside of us that can lead us and guide us. Because family, Jesus has already overcome the world in Jesus' name. There's not a person under the sound of my, my voice tonight that has not faced difficulties. How many have gone through difficulties? We've gone through difficulties. How many have gone through sorrows? We've gone through sorrows. How many have gone through trials? We have all gone through trials, right? There's not a person who has not gone through sorrows or trials. And Jesus did not want his disciples to be, any, any, to be under any illusions that their future life without him would be filled with ease and comfort. My husband always told me, Bev, life is not about ponies and rainbows. We have to use our faith. So despite the challenges, the greater one lives inside of us, family. And we can overcome each challenge that we face in Jesus' name. God never said it's going to be easy. In fact, there's no victory without a trial. There's no cross. There's no crown without a cross. If we look at the life of Jesus, if he didn't go to the cross and suffer in our place, we wouldn't have the opportunity of having eternal life. If he didn't go to the cross and suffer in our place, we wouldn't have the opportunity to live in divine health in Jesus' name because by his stripes we are healed in the name of Jesus. If he didn't go to the cross in our place, we wouldn't be able to have the opportunity of having our sins washed away by the, his blood. So God forewarns us that there will be many hurdles along our journey of life. But he wants us to remain fearless. Say, I must remain fearless and maintain our faith in him. Often, we let the fear of the unknown, we let past regrets and the doubts of our peers hold us back from either finishing our race or even beginning our race. But once we know what God wants us to do, we should not concern ourselves about naysayers. We should not concern ourselves with what people say about us. It's not about what people think about us and their opinions about us. It's what God has told us to do that matters in life. Glory to God. We should have a will to win. We should take a leap of faith. But taking a leap of faith requires courage. But without a leap of faith, family, we cannot finish the race that God has called us to run. In the movie, if you ever see the movie Secretariat, and I think you should, there is a scene where Penny, Penny's husband and her brother, they don't believe in her. They don't think that Secretariat could win the race. They try to discourage her. Try to talk out of it. Say, no, he can never run the race. He's been injured. We don't have the money. We don't have a proper trainer. We have a veteran trainer. They give all the reasons why she'll never win. The odds were stacked against her. 
but she had the ability to block out the negative voices, just like the horse who was trained to hear the noise in battle, but stay focused. And the question I wanna ask you today is, are you able to block out the negative voices and stay focused in what God has called you to do? I love the answer that she gave to her husband and her brother. She said, this is about life ahead of you. And you run at it because you never know how far you can go unless you run. You can never know how far you can go, family, unless you take that leap of faith and run. How many of us can say the same thing? We believe that God has given us a dream. We believe that God has told us to do something. And yet the closest people to us, our brothers, our sisters, our family, they tell us you'll never do it, you'll never win, you'll never make it. But who do we listen to? Do we listen to the naysayers? Do we listen to the negative voices? Or do we listen to that still small voice telling us what to do? We listen to God's voice, right? I've told this story many times, but it's worth telling again. This is a short version of it. So when I was 21, I felt the strong call of, uh, to go into ministry. And, you know, I loved art and designing. And I thought I would go into the field of, of textile designing. And my mom at that time, she was in business in real estate. And I knew that she could afford to send me to Bible school overseas because my pastor told me that I should go to Bible school in Dallas, Texas. It seemed so far, I was living in Durban at the time and I thought it was impossible. I thought it was impossible. How would I as a, a, then I was only about 19 when I began to feel the call of God. And so when I was 21 and I told my mom I wanted to go, she said to me, Bev, if you want a proper education, then I'll pay for you to go to university. But I'm not gonna pay for you to go to Bible school. You see, I had a part-time job uh, designing textiles for a company called French Connection. How many know French Connection? It's a huge international uh, textile company. And the boss has told my mom, Bev's got a great future ahead of her. All she needs to do is go to university and get a proper education in textile designing. So my future looked bright. It was all planned out. I was secure. I knew I would have a good job and income coming in. But in my heart, I knew I was called to ministry. And so I turned down the offer to go to university. And my mom told me, Bev, you have to believe God now for yourself. From now on, you're financially on your own. And when you're 21 and you now have been trusting your mother and believing in your, your mom and she's your financial security and she's paid all the bills until now and now you're on your own and you're 21 years old and she says, if you wanna go to Bible school, trust God on your own. You're on your own financially. It was the hardest lesson. In the beginning, I was mad at my mother. You can't afford to send me to Bible school. Why don't you? She said, Bev, if you believe that God has called you to go to Bible school, then you must ask God to help you financially get to Bible school. And you know what? I did. It was the hardest lesson I've ever learned, but I'm thankful for that lesson because it taught me to stand on my own two feet. It taught me to believe God for myself. And today, I'm so grateful grateful to my mother. 
And so with a leap of faith, I trusted God. I sowed my seeds. I went to Bible school, completed my Bible school training. I came back, I met Apostle Thea, and of course, the rest is history. And we have been in ministry since 1979. But where would I be today if I would listened to my mom? who told me I had to go and get a proper education, which was in, the, in textile designing. If Apostle Thea had listened to people and their opinions, we would have never expanded the ministry to uh, America. Not one person in South Africa gave Apostle Thea the green light. In fact, everybody told him, don't go Apostle Thea, the church in South Africa will close down. Even board members said, Oh, we are leaving. Even my mom said, no, Thea, this is a foolish thing for you to do. Yet, it's not what people say about you, family. It's what God says about you that counts. So Apostle Thea took another leap of faith. He expanded the ministry to America, and of course, the rest is history. By God's grace and our amazing team and our wonderful staff, who we love and so excited about, here... And in, in San Antonio, we have a wonderful growing church right here in South Africa, and we thank God for it. We thank the God there is for the open heaven on this church. We thank God for the amazing people in this church. We thank God for our amazing people in San Antonio. We thank God for our staff in San Antonio. We thank God for our staff right here in Johannesburg. But we stepped out in faith with courage on God's word. In fact, while we were living in America, my mom and my, my husband will one day tell you the story. It's a very moving story, but my mom actually sold the land, the, the church for us, and the land in Elansfontein. And it was my mother who found this land. And we bought the land. Pastor Thea was with my mom. She didn't take commission but she, uh, she sold us this land, she found us this land. So my mom is very much a part of our ministry and I thank God for her. And so we sold the land in Elonsfontein and we built this beautiful ministry here right next to the airport on Atlas Road. But so many of our decisions in life are, are made to please people around us, right? We desperately want to be liked. We want to be, have a, people's approval of us. We want people to like us. We want pe people to talk well about us. We, we don't want to have anyone being negative, right? Talking bad about us. But you know, Apostle Paul, he dealt with this issue in Galatians 1.10. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please me, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, had he chosen to care about what other people thought about him, and he sought to be popular, he would have never been able to do the work of the Lord that he did. Remember what God said to Jeremiah. He said, I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna rescue you. So this means and this indicates that there are challenges ahead in life. But thank God he's going to rescue us from every challenge we face in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Say this, God will rescue me from every challenge I face in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
The Bible is filled with courageous leaders who have forged ahead, have advanced despite popular opinion. I think of David facing Goliath, right? If he had listened to his brothers, he would have never gone ahead and defeated Goliath or ever tasted the sweet taste of victory. What about Esther? She went before the king when it was against the protocol of the day, yet she saved her nation. There is no reward without a risk. There's always a price to pay for success. People say to us, oh, I wish I had a big ministry like you. And I say, are you willing to pay the price? Because when you see people here getting healed and delivered and set free and the word going out, it doesn't come without a price. When I was young, I used to tell everyone, come into the ministry. Now I'm older and wiser. I say, count the cost. Count the cost. Because the ministry is not for faint-hearted people. You have to be tough, right, to go the course. But of course, we are tough and we are courageous and we are full of faith and we have endurance and we will fill, fulfill our course in Jesus' name. So let's learn to lean on the Lord for courage. But courage is not an absence of fear. It's the willingness to do what we believe is right in the face of our fear. What does James 1 12 say, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Joshua 1, 6 is one of our favorite scriptures, isn't it, family? It says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. I wonder how many people look back on their deathbed and they look back in their life and they say to themselves, I wish, I wish I had had the courage to follow God's plan for my life. Do you know, family, that the price of regret is a price that is far too high to pay? The price of regret. Just as we raise our natural children, we train them, we lead them, we guide them step by step until they become mature adults. So the Spirit of God leads us and guides us and trains us and equips us so we can run our race on the earth. So what are we doing here, Christian Family Church? We are being equipped. We are trained for the race that God has called us to run, right? So God is developing us into champions. Say, I am a champion. Say, I am a champion for Christ in Jesus' name. I mean, do you remember the movie Rocky? Now, I know I'm dating myself, but <laughs> do you remember Rocky? He trained hard. He, he perspired. He sweat. Really, he sweated. Is that the, a word even? That he perspired. He ran. He trained hard. He cried. He pers persevered, but he won. And he said it was worth it, and he would do it again. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. And family, let us not become weary in running our race. Even if you see the challenges ahead of you, do not become weary. It's no time to quit. It's time to get up and face our battles without fear. 
It says we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We're going to reap a harvest of souls. We're going to reap a harvest of God's blessing. We're going to reap a financial harvest if we do not give up and don't. We carry on tithing. We're going to have open heavens above us, right? Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord, He will renew their strength. They're going to soar on wings like eagles. They're going to run and not grow weary. They're going to walk and they're not going to faint. And that's us, family. We're going to run and we're not going to grow weary. We're going to walk and we will not faint in the name of Jesus. We're going to build on each success that we have. But we're also going to build on each failure we have. Failure is not a bad word, family. We can learn from our mistakes. It's a building block. In fact, failure is character building. We, can, we all make mistakes along the way, but we can learn from our mistakes. We can allow them to add wisdom to our lives. We can fail forward, in fact. Failure can be an essential stepping stone on our way to success. Failure can certainly teach us what not to do, right? But sometimes we get so obsessed with the end result, we fail to see the battles that we win and what we learn from those battles. And this is true in our families, our work, Bible school, our careers, and even our walk with Christ. Now, one in, the, in one of the last scenes, of the movie Secretariat, Penny, who has taken over the stables and she's taken over Secretariat. She walks to the stable before Secretariat runs his last race. She puts her hands on both sides of her horse's face and she talks to him and she says, I've realized something. She speaks to her horse, she says, I've already won because I didn't quit. And she said, I've run my race. And now, Secretariat, it's your turn to run your race. But doesn't that sound like Paul? When he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. So it's our turn, family, to continue our race with faith and courage and determination and perseverance. We're not going to allow our past mistakes to hold us back or our regrets to hold us back. Don't allow other people's opinions to hold you back from advancing your calling in Jesus' name. And don't allow disappointments and betrayals and failures to stop you from running your race because there's still so much more for you to do. God has more in store for you. And you know what, family? You will never know the capabilities that you have inside of you. We will never know what we can do with God's help until we try, until we run. So my message is to you is family, run your race despite the odds, depend on God, face your future without fear, knowing you will win in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Give the glory to God. I want you to sit back and we are going to watch the last race of Secretariat. It's four minutes.
but you're going to be inspired by his race. Praise the Lord. Now, obviously, that blonde woman is the owner of that horse secretariat. And if you ever watch that movie, you'll see there's no chance that she's ever going to survive and make it financially, and everything was against her. Every obstacle, but she ran her race. Then she said to the horse, I've run my race. I've won. Now it's your turn. And the horse, and the horse won. won. Close, Close your eyes, bow your heads. You have a you race, have a race before, you. before you. Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses of those that have died and gone to heaven or watching us run our race. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. All those in heaven are rooting for you to run your race. There are souls to be won. People needing help. They're needing the Word of God. They're needing faith. They're needing encouragement. We need to lay aside every weight that slows us down and every sin. A weight is something that we are permitted to do that's acceptable, but a weight is something that takes all of our time. And we spend too much time with it and we ignore what God has called us to do then something good becomes a weight. So lay aside every weight and run the race that's set before you. God has a race for every one of us to run. No one is excluded. Sometimes you feel, I've tried my best run as hard as I can. I don't seem to make any progress. I just don't know what to do. Paul the Apostle said, it's not by my, well, he said, he said, all I am, I am by the grace of God. He said, I've accomplished more than all the other apostles put together, but it's not I that did it. It's the grace of God that's with me that did it. We have to use our faith to run our race. We have to confess that God is making it happen. Psalm 138 verse 8. What David declared is what we must declare. God is working out His plan for my life. God is working out His plan for my life. That's what David said. We must say that. God is working out His plan for my life. Psalm 138 verse 8. Put your faith into God bring it to pass and he will he will nothing can hold you back the earth is going into very challenging times but God has a plan for you even though the devil has a plan God has a plan and God's big enough to bring his plan to pass no you will not die you will live and not die you will not fail you will overcome not by might nor power, it's by His Spirit. God has a plan.
plan for you. And in the eternal pages of the book of Acts, which is still being written today, God's plan is written already about you. Your victories, all that you've overcome, it's all written. And you are going to walk in those pages. You're not going to retreat. You're not going to go and hide in your caves. You are going to fulfill the plan of God for your life. That's what you're going to do. Because greater is God in you than the devil is in the world. The greater one is in you. And he's going to put you over. He's going to put you over. If you are here tonight and you do not know Jesus, you do not know where you're going when you die. If you do not know, and you want to, you want to meet Jesus, you want to know for sure that God loves you and He lives with you and He's in you and He's for you and He's going to take you to heaven one day. If you want to know all that, God wants you to receive that understanding in your heart right now. Right now. So I'm going to pray and God will speak to your heart and confirm that with you tonight. If you invite Him to do so, He will. If you invite Him to do so, He will. When I count to three, if you slip your hand up, by so doing, you're demonstrating to God, Father, here's my hand. I invite you to speak to my heart and confirm with me that you love me, that I'm saved, I'm going to heaven one day. I want Jesus. If you put your hand up right now, God will confirm that. When I pray, you'll know it. Are you ready? I'm counting. Put your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Does my hand include me in your prayer, Apostle Theo? Thank you. Somebody's coming to put their hands on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray this little prayer. I'd like everybody, please, to say this prayer with me. Everybody, please, especially those who got their hands raised. Let's all say the prayer out loud. Here we go. Dear God, try that again. Dear God, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins, so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I declare Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing me from all of my sins. You are my Savior. You are my Lord from today. I am saved now. God is my Father, and I'm bound for heaven. Praise God I'm saved. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.